back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler, and with me as always is Smitty. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And normally I think we would be more energetic or enthusiastic going into a show. But unfortunately, we have to talk about and address something that happened over the weekend, something that happened... Well, for us yesterday, based off when we were recording this, um, mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins passed away yesterday morning after being struck by a truck on the highway in Florida. And I just feel like we needed to talk about it, just address it a little bit to start off the show. I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't. And I just think this is such a gut-wrenching thing for not just Steeler fans, obviously like Dwayne was a football player, but I mean, he was a son. He was a husband. He had family and friends and he had a big impact on people that were not just Steeler fans or football fans, Washington commanders fans, whoever it is. I I feel like that was missed. Part of that was missed on Saturday. And I think people need to, really appreciate how this is going to affect a lot of people around Dwayne and his family, his wife. I mean, I cannot imagine what they are going through. And I I think we just need to take a step back as a football and Steelers community and to really look at this from outside of a football perspective. Look at this as a human being who had a great impact on people and now he is tragically gone. There's no really no other way to say that. He, it is just a tragedy. And my heart goes out to his family, uh, his wife. I mean, I'm, I'm recently married and I yeah. cannot imagine what uh, she's going through right now. And I, I, I just, I really wish that there was a way that, even like someone like me could let her know, like we're all behind her. We're all behind his family. And this is affecting them personally more, more than it affects us, but obviously it is, it has a great impact. And I just, ah, man, sorry. I I really just wish that they, I mean, I'm sure they know we, they have the support. I just really wish this, this, uh, Man, this sucks. I I don't really know yeah. how, how else to get through it. We shouldn't be talking about this, but we are, you know. And it's uh, it, it it was so weird because when you said it, when you started out by saying that Dwayne had, like, I literally got goose, like, I, just just hearing somebody say those words, like, obviously I've been reading them on Twitter for twenty four hours plus now, but to actually hear somebody say it, it just it just doesn't seem real. And the only reason we're really talking about it on here is because. His profession happened to be a football player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. People knew him because of what he did in high school and the accolades he had at Ohio State. But everything that you just mentioned about him is so much more important than the the football player aspect of that, because all you hear people talk about is how great he's been and just the way that he's embraced Pittsburgh and the community, the Dwayne Haskins Foundation. And I, I 
I believe that I tweeted out the link yesterday. I, it's weird that I, I don't know what the situation is going on there. They're currently not accepting donations, but it says like how to reach out to them to get involved. So if you would like to do that, please go check out that link because it's been something that's going on for 30 years in the family. He's heavily involved with that. So if there's one thing that we can kind of like rally around and come together on this with, along with obviously being there for his wife and his family, uh, is checking out the cause and giving to a foundation that he obviously cared so deeply about. But yeah, I mean, less than 24 hours previous to that, and it's just so eerie to go back and look at his Instagram story yesterday because he had all, you know, all of his teammates and stuff on it. And just to, to try to put yourself in a position that you can't, but you try to put yourself in a position of one of those guys that were just down there with him, like Chase Claypool, who put up that video. I mean, we, yesterday. We saw so the video. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and to, you know, be around him just 24 hours prior. And then all of a sudden you get the news that he's gone. What do you mean? He's gone. I was just with him. And, you know, it's just it's. Yeah, it's gut-wrenching to talk about. I honestly, like, I really hadn't tried to think about it from your perspective because I'm not in that perspective, but as a newlywed, too, and think about, it, like, he doesn't even turn, he wasn't even going to turn 25 until next month. We're talking about 24-year-old no. kid here. I mean, this is and a it's guy. it's so weird to talk about because for us because now, it, and you know, with with us getting older, every single player that comes into the NFL now is going to be younger than us, and they, they are kids. Like, saying yeah. kids, is it just seems crazy, but they're so young, and... You know, this is a guy that had his whole life ahead of him. And just like I said, he completely whatever happened in Washington would happen in Washington. But the way that he had been off the field in Pittsburgh and embraced the culture here, you hadn't heard a bad thing about him since he, he wanted to, to show the true Dwayne, as he said, whenever he he signed with the Steelers. And I, I mm-hmm. think he did that in his short time with the team. It's just such a tragedy. I mean, he's 24 years old, turning 25 this year and it just so happens that this is going to be put on a big scale because he was a football player and it had a bigger impact than it would have otherwise. It, it, but any anytime someone that young passes away, it, it, there's no other word for it than it's just like heartbreaking. I, I, I just can't imagine like he had his whole life ahead of him. Like you said, it, it's mm-hmm. it's it sucks. It, it truly, truly sucks. And I think that's why I take them, you know, so much of an exception with the way that Adam Schefter decided to word that tweet is because there you didn't need to mention anything about his football playing career at all because it wasn't relevant to the situation. A 24 year old just lost his life. What does it matter what he did in Washington or the way that his career was playing out in Pittsburgh that he wasn't good, that he didn't play like it was irrelevant to the situation. And we're talking about somebody losing their life. And it just it dehumanized somebody, which happens Schefter all the tweets, time with athletes. The I don't even know his name, but I don't even honestly don't even want to mention his name. I know his the name. Person from it, the yeah. ra- the radio host there, yeah. the radio show. There was a lot of misplaced words taken yes- yesterday on on Saturday, bi- mm-hmm. based off of the news about Dwayne Haskins. But it it was a it was a lot of vile to me. It was disgusting. I think it's taken really they're taking it the wrong way and they should be approaching it in a completely different way. And hey, good on, good really on players, I, though. And other that's really all I got to say. Yeah, up. good on the players calling them out on it. I mean, it, it, it is honestly. Yeah, it was just disgusting to see it, there, There's no reason you need to bring up any football talk into it. He was yeah. a football player, but that has no it has no place to say whenever a 24 year old dies. That's, that's the important part of this. 
that mm-hmm. a 24 year old was killed Saturday morning, not that he was struggling in football. It's just ridiculous that that even had to be mentioned. But yeah, I we just I give my condolences and you do as well. And all of Steeler Nation, Pittsburgh gives their condolences to his wife and his family and everybody involved. It's just a heartbreaking story. I would lo- and I I expect the team will do something for him. Um, you know, maybe they'll wear like a three patch or something this season. I think that that's the bare minimum of what they could yeah. do. And I think that they will do. Um, no, it was nice to see the, the Penguins give a uh, yeah. moment of the silence. Capitals the Capitals did also did Sunday afternoon um, at their game since he did play in Washington as well. It's being yeah. uh, it's be, he, he's being honored well. Um, you know, I don't want to like, I don't know how to word this properly because we're about to end this segment and start talking about the penguins and and I don't want it to be like, okay, well, we're done talking about this because I, I just, I'm trying to find the right words to, to move on from talking about this and actually talk about what we plan to talk about sports wise on the show prior to this happening yesterday. Um, but there's really nothing else to say on this. You know, we could go on and on forever talking about the person that we've learned Dwayne Haskins to be in in such short time, by the way, in the Steelers organization. But um, we're not going to do so, at least on this episode. Again, thoughts and prayers to his family, his teammates, his coaches, everybody that knew him, everybody whose lives he touched. Uh, when we come back, we're going to try to continue on with the show in a happier spot. Uh, we're going to talk about some Penguins hockey. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. All right, and welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. I'm Smitty, and for some reason, I almost said that I was Tyler and switched up our names right there. Uh, Let's talk (laughs) about the Pittsburgh Penguins Hockey Club. This has been an interesting stretch of hockey, to say the least, for this team. Kind of hard to get a gauge on on where they're at right now. Um, There's just not a whole lot going on. I don't know how else to say it, especially in the offensive zone. If they have a breakdown, they have a big breakdown and it usually leads to the puck end up in the back of their net. Um, So I wouldn't say that they're making a ton of mistakes right now. They're just making massive mistakes right now that seem to always, like I said, end up in the back of their net. I want to start first, though. Talked about something that just happened in in Sunday afternoon's game with Evgeny Malkin uh, at the end of the second period, getting his stick up a little high, if you will, uh, cross-checking somebody in the mouth, the guy's spitting out teeth as he's heading off the ice. Yeah. I, I, I think it's hard to speculate and I'm not going to try to guess what the punishment's going to be here because the NHL department of player safety is a joke and it could be all over the map. We could see a $5,000 fine. We could see five plus game suspension here. Um, but especially with the way that the Pens have played lately, I know that they came away with a win in overtime here on Sunday afternoon, but they cannot afford to be losing Gino for any stretch of hockey here. No, it was just a really dumb play, like plain and simple. I, I really think that Gino's hot head got the best of him in that moment. And we've seen that a lot over Gino's career. He does have the tendency to get a little heated at moments. And that was definitely the case. And this is really not a good time for him to do that because we're probably going to be looking at suspension. I, I, I like you. I don't want to like try to guess what it will be because Department of Player Safety is so like hit or miss on what they do anyway. They're just a bunch of like I don't know. They're morons. Honestly, let's be <laughs> there's real. No consistency. They, yeah. There's no consistency. They have no idea what they're doing, and the people that run it are the biggest goons <laughs> in the NHL when they were playing in the NHL. So I find it very ironic. Anyway, I just think that. 
going based off of something that happened this year with Austin Matthews, which was brought up, I think that you you might look at a couple games. You're going to miss Gino. I know the people on the broadcast were throwing around five to ten games. I mean, that, there's I don't think there's any chance that that happens. You you have to really be a repeat offender for that to happen, in my opinion. And they they, yeah. they even said that he was when I understand he got suspended in 2019, but that, like this isn't like Brad Marchand or Tom Wilson we're talking about who is is a legitimate repeat offender. Um, but either way, it, it doesn't matter what the case is. Gino shouldn't have done that. He needs to be smarter about that. Him and I'll even throw Latang in there. Latang after after. Uh, plays has a tendency to get a little bit chippy a little hot-headed and start throwing sticks and fists around and these are the two of the guys that we cannot afford to lose in these situations and in these games especially the way the penguins have been playing so far the past couple weeks it's been really really rough overall on the team and if you're talking about gino being missing a couple games i guess that's better than missing a lot of time but at this point in the season and where we are in the standings, what we're fighting for, we don't need any of it. We need him on the ice, and I just think it was a stupid play by him. I can't believe Latang didn't get thrown out based off what you're saying. You know, I 100% agree. And then when you have like Tanner Janot deliver the hit that he had on him, that Matheson answered for, which yeah. again, Pedersen it's a clean also. hit. Oh, yeah. Pedersen but, had his own hit, but Pedersen right also immediately did. after. Yeah. Um, but yeah it's such a fine line for Gino too, because like when he plays with that tenacity, that's when, when he's at like his best. And we talked about it, like you don't want to piss off a Gino, but at the same time, there's a fine line there between him being like, you know, playing pissed off and somebody getting under his skin to the point where he does things like we saw on Sunday afternoon. So it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. And, and he crossed it definitely on Sunday afternoon. Now it's to be interesting to see, but I wanted to bring up this like it or not right or wrong. I have a hard time believing that the NHL is going to want to suspend a superstar player down the stretch here right before the playoffs with what's on the line. And I, that, and I think that that would be the case, you know, if it's Gino versus if it's another superstar player on another team in a situation like the Pens are in, I just, is that going to play into it? I, I could see it being the case, even though I don't yeah. think it should be. Maybe it does play into it. I don't know. I, I, I personally, I don't think it will. I think he'll still be punished in some fashion by Department oh, of. Oh, I do too. Safety. But I'm saying, if I think if it's like the beginning of the middle of the year, it's different. Yeah, it, that shouldn't I mean, be the case. But maybe, maybe it's, it's kind of like uh, NHL officiating. They're they're really controlling what they want to do anyway. The Department yeah. of Player Safety. May they might work the same way. It should be a suspension. Will it be? We don't know, um, but I, 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 you could have a case there. I, I, you don't really see a lot of star players getting suspended too often, and with the playoff race and what, like the fight in the Metro for who's going to be second, third, fourth in that Metropolitan Division, you, you might see a case where they would be able to withhold a suspension for Geno and maybe just give him a fine just to have more interesting hockey. I, I don't know if I buy into it personally, but. Uh, either way, like the stretch is not going to be easy either. It's not just where we're playing. Nobody's going to the playoffs. I think this next week we have the Islanders twice, and then we have the Bruins twice coming up. And the Islanders second half of the season have have been like a playoff team. They have been really good. And they've always been basically a bane to the Penguins existence the past like two or three years. So it's going to be tough no matter what, when they play the Islanders. And I feel like the same thing with the Bruins. Bruins are always going to be a tough opponent. It's a playoff team. And this is, like I said, 
earlier. This is not the time that you need Gino off the ice. You need him on the ice and being productive. And to go to your point, there is a difference between angry Gino and making him, which makes him play better, and then getting under his skin, making him pissed off and retaliating like we saw on Sunday. Yeah. Um, on a much lighter note, how great was it to see Jason Zucker score a goal on Sunday after, oh, after everything that he's been through? It, yeah, he's finally got to play back-to-back games. <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> interestingly enough, I want to segue this into something else because he yeah. scored that goal while Sidney Crosby was on the ice. They Gino had either just come off the ice or Zucker. You're about to read my mind. Going. But I want to segue this and ask you a question because all three goals the Penguins scored on Sunday afternoon were Crosby and Raquel being on the ice together. I understand, you know, Zucker played a role in that as well. But those two specifically, Sidney Crosby and Ricard Raquel, there's something there, I think. And I think you have to find out what that is before the playoffs. I would play those two on the top line together this next week, these two games against the Islanders. And with Gino being suspended, that might, you know, change things anyway. But I would play those two together and see what you have there. Now, is it Gensel on on that wing or or what do you do? To me, I'm seeing what's there because I think that the thing with Raquel and, and not that he's played bad with Gino, we've seen some, some good yeah. hockey there too. I think the one thing for me is like, and, and DK said this as well, Gino for him, like he needs to have the puck on his stick basically that to remain engaged in the game. And mm-hmm. sometimes Raquel, you know, to his own credit, it's part of his game as well. He likes to carry the puck. And I think that you could see him be able to mesh better with a guy like Sidney Crosby and the way that those two would feed off each other. I want to find out if there's something more there. I, I will be completely honest. It will be a complete catastrophe. I can't even think of a better word from Mike Sullivan after Sunday's performance. If he does not play them together the next game, they they were they had a lot of chemistry on the ice, to say the least. And I, I feel like. At this point, watching the Penguins the past week, especially the what we've seen on the ice, there has not been a lot of generated offense. And I feel like I saw Raquel, especially in this game on Sunday, in, in, in the first goal, initiating the four check. And I feel like that's not what we've seen that's a lot of f- from the entire team in general. And those two guys, especially Sid and Raquel in this game, initiated the four check quite a bit. And I feel like they would play well together. And honestly, I might even take it a step further. I might say the other one that was on the ice when they were on the ice when Zucker scored, I I might take it a step further and say you should put both Zucker and Raquel and just swap the line mates for Sid and Gino. I mean, we might not we might not have Gino for a couple <laughs> games, but whenever Gino yeah. comes back, swap the line mates and see what happens. We've seen that Rust can play with Gino. We've seen that Mulkin can or or <laughs> Gensel can play with Gino. And we've seen in this game, because I, I don't think that's it's even a opinion to say that this is probably Raquel's best game with the Penguins, um, in terms of like the the creation of offense. Mm-hmm. And Zucker in his time in the Penguins uniform, we go back to what Danny has pointed out multiple times. He has played the best when he's played with City Crosby. So why not try to flip the lines a little bit and switch the wingers for the top two lines? Will it happen? Probably not. I hope to at least see one of the pairings switched with either Russ going down or Jake going. I, I don't know what it's going to be. It'll probably be Rust just because mm-hmm. that he's... We've t- seen Rust do that. Yeah, yeah, we've seen him do it multiple times going up and down the lineup. But you at least need to play Raquel there. And I would argue you should try out Raquel and Zucker playing together with Sid. 
Let me ask you something else from a lineup standpoint down the stretch here. Played on Sunday afternoon between the pipes. Should we see a little bit more of Casey to Smith before the playoffs start? Just because, first off, Jari needs a rest. He's played a lot yes. of hockey this year, way more than he ever has. But but just to be honest with you, I don't know if it's a product of that or not, but he's started to regress a little bit down the stretch here. And that's definitely not what we need going into playoff time. I Personally, I'll answer this before you do. I would give Casey to Smith a little bit more run here. Um, I would play him definitely one of those two games, even though I know that there's a day in between against the Islanders. Um, and I'd probably give him a few more games than I typically would, like even in non back to back situations, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I would as well. And what's crazy is I was looking at this yesterday. I was looking at the games played for Tristan Jari since he's come up and been, been basically a full timer at the NHL level. And the past couple seasons, he has not played anywhere close to the amount of games in a season that he's played so far this year. In the 2019-20 season, wherever he was sharing time with Matt Murray, he Mm -hmm. started in 31 games and he played in 33 games. The following season with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, he started in 38 games and played in 39 games. So far this season, and we still have eight games left in the regular season, he has played in 57 games and he started 55 of them. That is a big jump for a goalie to go through. And I know these these are high-level athletes. Your expectation should be that, as a fan, is going to be that they should be able to handle it no matter what. But I'm telling you, it has a taxing toll on these guys whenever you're adding on 15, 20 starts to a season What for, compared to what they're used to, especially at the NHL level. I mean, it's high-intensity hockey all the time. I feel like Tristan Jari really needs a break and I'm not saying you need to like sit him or bench him or whatever. He isn't playing that bad. That's not what we're saying. But you want him to be as fresh as possible going in to the playoffs. I think it would be smart to give to Smith. At, I, I would even say maybe even half of the games going into the, the playoffs. There's eight games left. Let the Smith start four of them because at, at, you're at a point where if you don't do that or don't think about playing to Smith a little bit more, Jari is probably going to start at least six or seven of these final eight games. And that's just going to add on to the toll that he's already paying going into the playoffs. I just think it's, it's really affecting him how much he's playing. I just think it's a drastic change to what he's experienced so far. And I think that is the main reason for his regression. And I think the regression comes from basically the small details of play. I don't think it's necessarily the, like the, 2021 playoff series we saw where he was just playing terrible hockey no i think it's just the little little details it takes a little bit more effort to get into the right angles to right positioning to react a little bit faster and i think that that's what's missing and so if the smith plays a little bit more i think that we might be able to get tristan jari back to where he was like a month or two ago at that high level i mean he's still playing at a really good level it's just not quite where it was I think from a from like keeping him fresh, that's that's a great point. Like from that standpoint, definitely as well. But also, I just want DeSmith to get some time in here to be ready for the playoffs because there's no guarantee that it's just going to be Tristan Jari. You know, I'm not saying that we're going to have another playoff situation like we did last year with him, but 
you know, injuries happen. Like I, I want the Smith to be prepared in case he has to be between the pipes for a playoff game too. And I know he keeps himself prepared and you got to be ready in any situation, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I would probably say four and four or five and three at least. Um, yeah. But to your point, I, I would say that it's more like going to be in six to two. Yeah. Yeah, but, but at least looking at the what's remaining in the schedule, we no longer have any back-to-back. So if DeSmith mm-hmm. is going to play, that's going to have to be a coaching decision based off Mike Sullivan and not the uh, shoulder of the back-to-back. So luckily, though, looking at the schedule ahead, we've got the Islanders coming up on Tuesday. We have the Islanders as well coming up on Thursday, and then we play on Saturday against the Bruins. So it's just every other day this upcoming week. But then... We play on Saturday, then we get a, what is it, how many days? I'm dumb, math. Four-day break, five-day break. They play Thursday against the Bruins as well, so that yep. that will help get them some their legs Saturday back. Saturday is an afternoon, and then obviously, you know, that yeah. Thursday one's not, to, so it's like, you know, an extra half day at least. Right, and then you get a Saturday afternoon game on the 23rd, or, or no, they do have a back-to-back. I'm a moron. So we'll definitely <laughs> see Casey DeSmith and probably the Flyers game, even though I would say the Flyers are probably the better opponent but versus the Red Wings. However, I mean, Mike Sullivan kind of just sticks to his guns and plays Jari in that first of the back-to-back. Yeah. Um, and then we get a, a another one on uh, two days later on the Oilers, so that will be a Tuesday, and then we kick off the season on a Friday. That, that wraps up the season against the Blue Jackets. So at least the, there's a little bit of gaps between some of these games coming up where they could get some breaks as well, which might help them uh, get their legs back. But, yeah, I, I still think that I, even though there's one more back-to-back so we know Casey DeSmith will get one more start, I'd give him at least two two others, maybe even three. Yeah, and, you know, what could play into this as well, and then we can transition and uh, wrap up talking about the Pirates, which is typically not our third segment, but here we are. Things are changing on around the 412 um, is will it depend on, you know, it, what the Penguins have locked up down the stretch as well? You know, like say that they can't get any further than like a, a, the three seed or something like that. Like we know that they're locked into that. Could that play into what Mike Sullivan decides to do as well? I, I think it could. I mean, if you you can't improve your playoff my potential at, at, at any point, what's the point of playing your starting goaltender? You're, uh, at that point, you're honestly risking injury to him. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I, I'd want to keep him as fresh as possible. So if you have a position locked up, whether it's going to be you, I don't know, go on a run and you get the two seed, the three seed, even if you're in a wild card position and then something terrible happens in that case, you might as well just sit them and, and keep them fresh to the playoffs because whether we're a wild card or two, three seed, it doesn't matter. It all changes whenever the playoffs start. Yep. <sighs> we'll see. One what more the question weekend. I have for you yeah, with the Penguins real quick. Um, do you see a way? So Brock McGinn still has to come back, but mm-hmm. that Brian Boyle can come out of the playoffs or, or the lineup during the playoffs because we've talked that he is probably one of the ones to come out, but I just don't see a way he does for how he's been playing. Well, yeah, we only have you're, – you're really just creating a spot now for Brock McGinn now that Jason Zucker's back in the fold. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but, I mean, even uh, even if it's not necessarily what I would do – um, to me, Danton Heinen is the first guy out in Mike Sullivan's mind. Uh, I think that that's the point that we're at. And especially like, you know, say what you want about it. 
but Brian Boyle seems like the type of guy that Mike Sullivan would want in the lineup come playoff time. He adds, Probably. you know, a little bit of a net front presence and a heavier body for him to deploy. Danton Heinen, if he's not going to play in at least like a middle six role, I think Brian Boyle serves a, a far bigger purpose on a fourth line. So I don't even necessarily disagree with um, with it being Brian Boyle over Danton Heinen. I guess, you know, the other guy to me that comes to mind, we've got, we've started to talk about a little bit more is Evan Rodriguez, but I, I think that even he has started to play a little bit more. Calm. I actually liked his game on Sunday afternoon. Um, he's one of the guys that wasn't making, trying to make that extra pass would shoot the puck. Yeah. Uh, and that's been the biggest thing for this team. In my opinion is just way too many passes and uh, trying to create the perfect play, but he's not worried about doing that right now. He's just trying to figure out any way that he can improve on that. What is it? 1.47 shooting percentage or something in like the last. <laughs> yeah. 40. And what sucks is that that shooting percentage is going to keep going down at the rate <laughs> he's going because he, he, he yeah. can't finish at all. And it just drives me nuts. And it, it, it kind of like I don't I want to I don't want to say he has like Kapanen syndrome where he like will pull up because we've seen that that change a little bit. But it's still just like, come on, man. Like I, I, we, we've seen him try to pull the trigger a little bit more. But ah, man, he he should. I don't even know. He should be in jail. To answer to your question, I think it's Heinen, though. To answer your question, yeah. I think it's Heinen. Yeah, I, I think based off of where he is in the lineup, you're not going to see Bluger or Boyle come off that fourth line. And if Heinen was going to stay in the lineup, I feel like he would be at least on the third line. And maybe even like Rodriguez and him would switch spots. It's basically that that last guy on that that fourth line. That's the guy that's in the doghouse for Sullivan. As soon as McGinn comes back, he's going to be easily slotted into the lineup. Yeah, it just seems like that's like a placeholder spot. Uh, and Brock mm-hmm. McGinn is very close, by the way. They even had to put out a tweet that he wasn't going to play on Sunday afternoon, like despite being on the ice beforehand and stuff like that. So he's chomping at the bit. We could see him come back this upcoming week. Yeah, well, may- maybe we won't have to worry about taking somebody out of the lineup yet because Gino's oh, is true. Good. So yeah, we'll see. E-Rod maybe for the next center. few games, we'll still be Hein and, and Rodriguez and McGinn all on the lineup. Yeah, that could very well be the case. All right, when we come back, uh, we got to wrap up talking about the Pirates. They actually paid somebody. Uh, we're going to talk about that. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. We got a new record-breaking deal for the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Largest contract in team history. T. Brian Hayes, eight years, 70 million with an option as well on that. And I don't see a way like looking at the numbers on it. That's an option that every single time gets picked up. Like assuming that he's still here at that point, no doubt that they pick that up, even if it's to trade him at that point, but uh, it locks him up through his age 33 season at the very least. So, I mean, as a pirate fan, it's hard to be upset about this. I know that like there's people coming out saying like T Brian Hayes agent sucks. He got ripped off. Listen, he hasn't for it for his like, much promise as he's shown, especially in the field. If that bat comes around, it is going to be a steal. But this is a guy that's missed a good portion of time since coming up, and he immediately sees seventy million dollars being handed to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how are you going to? There's a point to what there? Gary was saying last week when we had him on the show, where he's he's kind of shown tendencies of possibly being a little, a little bit injury of injury prone. prone. 
And we even saw that we got that scare on Thursday on opening day. (laughs) Literally the first inning, we're all hyped because the morning of opening day, we get the contract news. And then the first inning, we're like, this is the typical fashion. We can't have anything nice. Pirates fan, honestly, it's just Pittsburgh sports in general. And luckily, it was just like a little spasm in his forearm, and he got into the lineup. Multi-hit in back-to-back games, by the way, on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I I think this is great. Not only is it just a great PR move for the Pirates, I mean, there's going to be naysayers no matter what. There's just going to be people that talk crap on the Pirates no matter what. I think this was a great move. It made the fan base happy. The whole vibe of it afterwards was just like basically a sigh of relief. Like, finally, you did something. Finally, you did something that made us actually care about the team, to be quite honest, because that was hard to do, especially the past few years for how bad they have been. You finally gave us something to hold on to a little. They, they threw us. They threw us a bone, if you want to say that. And na- next up, Brian Reynolds. You got to lock that up now. Yeah. And it's going to be coming. And le- le- and I was wrong. I'll I'll. I'll Go with Gary. It's going to be coming. And I think that that'll be a great extension as well. And then from there, we can just hit the ground running. We'll see you in Bucktober. But yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm super happy about this extension. I think it's it's good for both the Pirates and for Cabrian because for the way that Cabrian has been uh, playing so far, unless he drastically improved his health over the next few seasons, there's no guarantee that he was going to see a better contract than the one that he got right now. If he continued to have health issues, he might not see that from a different team and, mm-hmm. or even from the Pirates. And I think for the Pirates, like you said, if he continues to get the bat better and we know what he could do defensively at third baseman, um, it, it's it's just going to be great for both parties. It's a great number. Long-term contract. I'm just all happy about it. This, this, this is they're literally... Take out the baseball side of it. I'm just happy they finally did something to somebody. make the fans happy. They they planted a flag and said, this is one of our pieces for the future. Like there's been some question. There is even like people try to read like his body language, you know, going back to last year, saying this guy didn't want to be here and stuff like that. And then you hear him talk right afterwards. Bro, this is um, Pittsburgh. Nobody say, wants to be here. <laughs> you hear him talk right afterwards. And he said like it was important for him to sign an extension with the team that drafted him. That's what yeah. he thought about since he was drafted. He's so wanted he to play his entire career with one team. That won't yeah. happen. But it's nice <laughs> a sentiment for him to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of right reminiscent of like an Andrew McCutcheon when he got drafted yeah. saying that that, yeah. that it was his goal. Win. And for Brian now, it's I'm sure it's his goal now. Now that he knows he's a part of the future here to be the driving force or one of the driving forces to get this team back to the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's great that both par- uh, parties were able to do this, but the work isn't done. Like I said, I think that this is just one stop and, and one stone that the organization needed to turn to show the fans that, that things aren't going to be the exact same. Um, but it's a nice step in the right direction for sure another step in the right direction uh is is diego castillo uh getting some playing time here actually now on opening day he wasn't slated to start however due to the, the Hayes injury you just mentioned the Hayes injury scare uh he ended up playing pretty much the whole game anyway and then he has uh back-to-back starts as well so for a guy like diego castillo to to do what he's doing actually no he only started on sunday right he had a pinch hit at back yeah and mm-hmm. on okay yeah never mind so yeah Derek Schoen has tried not to start him but he's he started on Sunday and uh, had a multi-hit game in that start as well so he's still only 24 years old but um he's a piece that came over from the Yankees 
and I feel like really wasn't all that talked about. Um, but he kind of, he put himself on the map last year and it's nice to see him get in the lineup. I don't know how, especially with like the lack of talent, when you look up and down this lineup, how is he a guy that right now you can just say like, you know, for example, they play again tomorrow. How is he a guy that you can just say this guy can't be in the starting lineup because you look at their lineup and after the five spot, there's really nothing there. No. I think that you can find at bats for this guy pretty much every day. Yeah, and that's what I said, and I believe Jim said the same thing. If he's going to be up here, you better be playing him, especially from what he showcased. Yep. He had, what, one hit on Saturday, he had three hits today, mm-hmm. or Sunday. He, he's got four hits on the season so far since he's played, and uh, why should he be out of the lineup? It makes absolutely no sense. It, the whole it, team broke out the bats on Sunday besides Yoshi. He's the only one on the list. True. We didn't mention, they, they, the Pirates are one and two. For those of you who uh, have not been paying attention to the Pirates, they are one and two. Um, the first two games kind of looked like uh, last year, to say the least. Uh, and, and the start of Sunday. Yeah, and the start of Sunday. Luckily, the bats picked or turned it around. Um, but yeah, Castillo, he needs to be in the lineup. It is an absolute crime that he should not be. Derek Shelton should be put in jail if he does not put Castillo <laughs> in the lineup tonight on Monday, whenever we were playing that baseball game. Um yeah, another another thing, uh, the starting pitching kind of sucks, and I, we knew that was going to be the case. But and it is a very small sample size. But through three games, it's kind of sucked. Yeah, the the most disappointing one to me was Brew Baker on opening day because I actually didn't think that that Keller, despite giving up four runs and you know giving up the homer, I actually thought even though that the results wouldn't show that it was that different, actually watching him pitch, he looked like a different. Oh no, guy he to me. looks completely different. And it's just we we still got. St- yeah, Bad he still gave up the long ball. He still gave up four <laughs> yeah. runs. Yeah, the yeah. fourth inning, though, his last inning, because he only went four, actually mm-hmm. looked really good. He pitched with some confidence. They asked Shelton about that, and it was just attack, attack, attack. And that's what he needs to do. You know, he need, he need when he starts to try to, like, fine-tune things and just hit the corners, nitpick, and nibble the zone, that's when he gets lit up. Just go out there, trust he, your he stuff. He needs to have hitters. the A.J. Burnett mentality. Whenever he's on the mound, I feel like That's we've been we saying that for like two years, but yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. Uh, it, but Sunday start, Bryce Wilson obviously didn't get off to the best start. I liked what I saw though in the final three innings of that start. Um, yeah. Now the thing with him is he was giving up a lot of hard contact still. And I think he definitely benefited from some good defense behind him. Um, but after that first inning, I thought that he kind of settled it down and looked okay. He's the guy for me that kind of changes what this rotation could be, to be honest with you, because I feel like Jose Quintana is going to stink. That's where I'm at with that one. Um, so I would, I, and I like Mitch Keller. Can he take the next step? That would obviously be huge. Brew Baker. I, I don't know where to be on him just because I thought last year, I actually liked him a lot going into last year. I thought he just pitched way too much, way too many innings and mm-hmm. they should have pulled the plug sooner on him and shut him down. Obviously it's only one start, but controls his biggest thing that's probably his biggest asset and it totally got away from him in the opener and if he's walking guys it's going to be way worse than we could even expect so to me bryce wilson zach thompson those guys are going to dictate what this rotation is uh but you're right you know through three games the starting pitching doesn't hasn't necessarily been there i might Uh, be a little dramatic by the way by just flat out saying they suck too Uh, (laughs) it is it is a super soft sample size but one thing that you don't want to do especially this early in the season and then we've seen kind of this trend over the past few years is tax your bullpen a lot. And that's what the starting pitching, whenever they get yanked after three, four innings is going to do. We don't want to do that this early in the season. I mean, really all season, you don't want to do that, but whenever you're starting it in game one, that's, that's a recipe for, 
not success. I don't know what to, what I was going to say, but not success. Uh, <laughs> failure. Failure. That's it. That's it. Failure. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned the bullpen. I can't. I got to bring this guy up because I looked at him as a DFA candidate and absolutely he should be given a shot in the bullpen. So far, so good. Will Crow in this role, not in the rotation, really intrigues me because he can simplify things and not have to worry about going five or six innings and just give it his all for an inning or two. And I really like him in the role that he's put in this year. He was successful in opening day. Uh, pitched again today actually was the one that closed the game out. I, I, I like what I'm seeing from Will Crow. And again, small sample size, but this is a role that I think that he should be put in. It's something that I was advocating for a guy like Chad Cole when he was still here and he was so against doing, but Will Crow hasn't pushed back on this. He's, you know, he's willing to do it. Um, you know, so long as he earns a spot doing it. So I don't know how much you've seen of Will Crow so far. I know that we, couldn't stand him last year in the rotation, but we're not talking about him as being part of the rotation anymore. No, I actually really like him in the bullpen so, so far from what we've seen. He's got what, five strikeouts or so. He did walk a couple guys, but he hasn't let up a run yet. And I think something that he brings out of that bullpen is that confidence that I'm talking about with uh, Mitch Keller that I wish he would have. I think that we were seeing that with, with Will Crow, and I think that goes to what you were saying, where he doesn't really have to worry about the longevity of how long he's going to be on the mound. He doesn't have to worry about okay, what's my pitch count? How many batters am I going to go through? Like that sort of stuff. He's just out there for one, maybe two innings. And maybe he turns into like, if you need a, guy, a bullpen guy to eat a few innings, maybe that's what he can turn into since we, he's had that uh, starter uh, experience before. But in the role that he's played in these two appearances so far, I've really liked what I've seen. And I feel like a, a lot of the bullpen guys I've been okay with. There's been a few bad ones, but I thought there was a couple a- good ones over the first few games. I don't like what I've seen from Heath Hembry, who was actually, you know, one of their free agents that they brought in this year. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. The last guy that I want to talk about here and just get your opinion on how much we should see of this guy, because it's kind of all over the map. He was another guy I didn't necessarily think should be on the big club. Michael Chavis uh, obviously hit a grand slam on Sunday. He had three hits as well. Who would have he thought was a guy- the first home run of the Pirates season was going to be a grand <laughs> slam from Michael Chavis? Yeah, I mean, and he's a guy that gives you the versatility to also play at first base and obviously, you know, small sample size. Yoshi didn't have a great day on Sunday. I'm not sure what to think of a guy like Daniel Vogelbach, but there's definitely at bats to be had here for a guy like Michael Chavis, too, a former highly touted prospect that they got from the Red Sox. Um, so obviously the familiarity that Ben Sherrington had with him, he wanted to bring him here and give him a second chance. Um, what do you think of Michael Chavis? And, and is he a guy similar to Diego Castillo that you think should pretty regularly be in the lineup? As far as right now, yeah. I mean, he's got a few hits, and he's got a few hits for power as well. He's got the double. He's got the grand slam. I, I think that when you're talking about a team like the Pirates, we know that obviously the mentality of the team is always going to be different than the fans. But as a fan mentality, we know you're not good. We know you're not going to be good. And so who really cares who you throw, you're rolling out there? I, I, I really think that as long as they're hitting, they should be playing. As long as they're productive, they should be in the lineup. So, yeah, I think Chavis should be in the lineup, at least from what we've seen so far. Again, these are all small sample size pitching bullpen, like starting pitching bullpen hitting super small sample sizes. But who who cares at this point? If you've been hitting and then if you hit yesterday, you should be in the lineup the next day. If you continue to hit, you should continue to be in the lineup until you're you're not hitting well anymore. Yeah, I think like it just comes down to I think there's at bats to be had. They can utilize obviously the DH that they have now. Um, yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see as long as O'Neill Cruz isn't gonna be up here. Give these other guys, you know, a shot. 
Diego Castillo, Michael Chavis, those guys should be playing pretty regularly, in my opinion. That's right that's now. the thing. We we don't want to see some of the names we've seen. Like, so I I, I would cool be talker. fine if I never saw Kevin Newman swing a bat for the Pirates ever again. <laughs> but but by the way, he hey, had a double. Oh my the other day. goodness, was he good in the field today, though? Yeah. Um. But but is when you have a team that's bad, you got to give something to really give me something to watch, okay? We have Cabrian Hayes at third, but I need more than that. I want to watch these other guys get some experience playing in the field and swinging the bat. I've seen the other guys, the older guys that are on this, that have been on this team for a while. Give me some new blood in the lineup to give me something enjoyable to watch. Or maybe uh, not Pirates. enjoyable, but that's the point. We're going to find out. <laughs> Experiment. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Uh, Pirates open up PNC Park on Tuesday 412 is the first time of the, is the time of the first pitch on 412. So what better time to tell you than right here I on think you around can buy the tickets for four dollars and yeah, twelve and they cents have tickets too? on sale. Yeah. And they will also be uh, officially announcing the key Brian Hayes extension that day. So nice. Should be a fun day at the ballpark if you're able to get down there. Um if anybody's interested. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not a salesman here for the I'm not part of the PR team for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Do what you want to do with your money. But, uh, yeah, it should be a good day at the ballpark. At least something to be excited about for at least that right now they haven't lost at PNC Park this season. So true. <laughs> but uh, I don't think I got anything else unless you do. Nope. Uh, it was a I mean, the show was all over the place, but I feel yeah. like it was a good one. Um, let's go Bucks. I mean, oh, that's a, that's another thing. The Penguins and the Pirates. Well, besides today. They need oh. to stop playing on the same day because <laughs> they've gotten the same results as each other each time. I know as long as those we get more W's than L's, then that's fine. But it, uh, <laughs> the first two times L L and neither of the teams looked very good in either of them. So that's what I'll say. Maybe they shouldn't start to play on the same days, especially whenever the Penguins get into playoff time. Yeah, Move I don't think the that we want I don't think we want to tell the Penguins that their that their record is going to be determined by what the Pirates do on that same day. <laughs> it's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Yeah. So, uh, but can't thank everybody enough, as we always say, for watching or listening to this episode of Around the 412. Thank you so much, guys. Leave a comment for us. Leave us a like. Subscribe to the channel. Listen to our podcast, all the other content right here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. Until next week, we will talk to you guys then. For Smitty, for Tyler, this is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network.